Chet Holmgren is not the only Zag proving himself during the NBA Summer League. We talk about whose stock is up and whose stock is down on a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Zags podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. We are all over the NBA Summer League today, talking about all seven of the Zags participants, participants, excuse me, in the NBA Summer League. We're also going to celebrate an MLB Zag getting promoted to the big leagues, as well as a Zag getting drafted in the MLB draft. All that coming up today. Want to start talking about three Zags who have done a very good job in the early, early goings of Summer League. Summer League is not very long. And for those of you who have been paying attention this year, you might have noticed that there is was a Salt Lake Summer League. There was a California Summer League. And then, of course, the big, the actual Summer League uh, in Las Vegas. So we're going to kind of take a recap of how the Zags have done up to this point in Summer League. I'm recording this in the afternoon on Monday, July 10th. The only player who, there's a couple players who I believe are playing on Monday who I will not have their stats for the game. I, I know Joel Iai for Memphis is one of them. There might be a few others as well, but we're going to do a full recap of Summer League when it is over at the end of this week. I think the championship is next Monday. So we'll have a full recap there. But for today, I thought it'd be fun to take a look at how things have started out for these guys. Some of the guys who who participated in the California League and the Salt Lake League and, of course, the guys who have started out in Las Vegas. So we're going to open it up talking about Chet, because while Chet is not technically a new professional Zag in the sense that he obviously spent the entire last season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, although he did not play because of a foot injury, he is the most notable rookie entering the NBA next year out of Gonzaga. He will still be a rookie. It is the Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons situation. For those of you who are NBA fans who follow that kind of stuff, Blake Griffin won rookie of the year a year after he was drafted because he missed his entire rookie season with an injury. Uh, There was some, at the time, there was some debate about that this year. I don't think there will be much debate about it. I don't think a lot of people are expecting Chet Holmgren to win Rookie of the Year, despite his obvious accolades towards that award, in part because of Victor Wembignana, who is expected to be that player and a, a generational-type talent. But Chet has proven so far in his summer league experience that he's he's that guy. He's still that guy. He never wasn't that guy. He just had to recover from that injury. He played in two games in Salt Lake City with Oklahoma City. The, the Thunder played three games. He sat out one of them. It seems like it makes a lot of sense to me to, for a player who you know is going to be a part of your vision this year. He's not. He doesn't need to prove himself necessarily. You want to get him some action. You want to get him some game reps, but there's no need to push him in every single game. And so he played two out of three in Salt Lake. He's played one game in Las Vegas so far. In those two Salt Lake games, he played about 30 minutes per game, averaged 12 and a half points, 10 boards, three and a half blocks and 1.5 assists. Didn't shoot it all that well. Nine of 22 from the field was about 41%. He took five three-pointers in Salt Lake, did not knock any of them down. It's just rust. It's just shaking some rust off. He came to Las Vegas again. He's only played one game so far in Vegas, 16 points, 10 boards, three assists, a block or two, or excuse me, two blocks 
and one steal for him in that one. And we're seeing a player who is just so comfortable with his skill set. The shots are going to fall. Him missing his first five three-point attempts means virtually nothing to me. Obviously, if that is a trend that continues in the NBA where he's getting good looks and he's not knocking them down, that's going to be a problem. But I just don't see that being a lingering issue for Chet Holmgren. His decision-making is very, very, very good. He knows how to attack closeouts. He knows how to get get slithery and get around guys if he needs to, to find a an open lane, to find an angle, to get a, an open look. He knows when to take threes. He knows when to pump fakes and drive to the basket. He knows when to make passes. And his defensive instincts were unbelievably off the charts at Gonzaga, and they're still fantastic in the NBA. He had a, a block shot on Keontae George that – shout out to Keontae George, by the way, who's been outstanding so far in summer league. Looks like – a potential steal for the Utah Jazz where he was selected. But Keontae George drove to the rim, thought he had an open look, and Chet Holmgren blocked it with two hands and volleyball spiked it straight into the ground. It was just the kind of thing we're somewhat used to seeing from Chet Holmgren from his one year at Gonzaga, but that a lot of people who didn't watch him much at Gonzaga and didn't get to see him last year are going to start finding out what he's capable of doing uh, now that he's kind of starting to get into the NBA. So We'll see how much more he even plays in summer league. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get shut down after another game or two, uh, just because there's not any reason to push him, especially coming off of a, a significant injury and knowing that he's going to be your starting center next year. It's going to be him, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. The other Jalen Williams out of Arkansas will be a bench depth piece for, for them as well. Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Kaysen Wallace, who they drafted this year out of Kentucky. This is going to be a really, really good Oklahoma City team. Maybe not next year. Maybe they maybe they need one more year of development with some of those younger guys, but this is going to be a dang good team, and Chet's going to be a big part of it for this team going forward. Next up is Julian Strother, the first-round pick coming out of Gonzaga this year, of course, picked by the Denver Nuggets, the 29th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, going to the defending national champion team with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and everybody else over there in the Mile High City. Strother has played two games so far for Las Vegas, uh, in Las Vegas, I should say, for Denver. Uh, he's got 11 points. Uh, he's averaging 11 points per game, two and a half boards, one and a half assists, one steal. Decent numbers, not shooting it very well, three of 12 from the field right now, not shooting particularly well from deep. We're talking about minuscule sample sizes, minuscule. But it's worth pointing out that the three-point shooting is the key for Julian Strother finding minutes this year. Denver is crowded. There's not a lot of room for minutes. Peyton Watson was a, a late first round pick for this team last year. He's a six foot eight wing as well out of UCLA. Uh, one and done guy who didn't really play all that well in his in his first and only season at UCLA. Didn't play much last year, but is a guy that, that Denver's very invested in. Of course, they have Christian Braun, who was a, a huge part of their championship team last year as well. So Julian, playing time is not guaranteed for Strother at all. I don't think Denver would have taken him in the first round to just bury him on the bench and, and not play him at all, but if he doesn't earn it, and again, a few games in, in summer league is not going to be make or break what they do with Julian Strother. He's going to have to prove it during the regular season, whether that's in a small bench role or, or a, a gradually increasing role, whether he ends up in the G League, which could happen for a late round pick like Julian Strother. But he's going to have to prove it because not because he hasn't played well. Um, but because Denver's really good. I mean, that's, it's, it's as simple as that. Denver's a good team, and, and to be one of the nine or ten guys who plays consistent minutes for the Denver Nuggets, you have to be really good. Julian Strother is, but so are a lot of his teammates. So I think 
how he does in summer league is important, maybe more so more important than somebody like Chet Holmgren, for example, more important than somebody like Andrew Nembhard, who we will talk about later. But it's, it's one of those things where it's not going to make or break his entire role next year, but it is going to make or break his, where he starts, whether he starts in the rotation, whether he starts outside of the rotation will be at least somewhat dictated by how he does the rest of this summer league performance. Last here in the first segment, Philip Petrusev, really nice stuff from Petrusev. He he came over again. He's been in summer league the last couple of years, has ultimately ended up re-signing in Europe. Uh, this year, his agent came out and said, the goal for this year is for Philip Petrusev to be in the NBA. We believe Philadelphia is going to sign him and put him on their roster for next season. They were, they were adamant about this. This is what we envision. We're not planning to re-sign in Europe until August, until we are told that he's not going to be on the NBA roster. Petrusev's come over and, and Philadelphia, to their credit, they have given him every opportunity. They are clearly invested in him being an NBA caliber player for this program. He's played one game in Las Vegas so far, 13 points on six of eight shooting. Love to see that. Five rebounds and one block. He played three games in Salt Lake City, averaged 22 minutes per game. Guys don't play much more than that. Averaging over 20 minutes per game in Summer League is proof that the team is invested in you. They want to see what you can do if they're going to play you that many minutes in a summer league game. 22 minutes per game for Petrusev in those three games in Salt Lake. Average 9.7.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists, shot 53% from the field. This is great. This is what you want to see from Petrusev. The outside shooting's not there. I don't know how much the outside shooting will be there. It would be a very valuable skill for him to have. It wasn't something we saw from him at Gonzaga in part because, as we know, Mark Few doesn't really ask his bigs to shoot a lot of threes except for unique circumstances, a.k.a. Kyle Wilcher and Killian Tilly, and to a lesser extent, Zach Collins and, of course, Chad Holmgren. But a lot of guys don't do that. Petrusev didn't really do that. But he shot a lot of threes in Serbia his first professional season before he ended up getting drafted by the, uh, the 76ers in the first place. So... If he doesn't show that, I think it does hamper his uh, chances of being a rotation guy for Philly a little bit. But if he's grabbing rebounds, if he's efficient around the rim, if he's getting fouled and and converting at the free throw line, which is something he was very good at at Gonzaga, I think there's a chance that he sticks. And and I really hope that he does. I think it would be cool to see a Zag go a non-traditional route and still make it to the NBA. It's somewhat similar to Kevin Pangos. Pangos took seven years and just got a tiny glimpse of the NBA. Hopefully Petrusev will uh, get there in less time. This will only be a couple of years removed. And of course, we'll, we'll stick around a little bit longer than Kevin did. Well, there are four other Zags who are participating in the NBA Summer League, one who has a job locked up and three others who are hoping they can make some more noise this week. And we're going to cover all of those guys after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say this, folks, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird Dogs, shortened pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. In fact, Bird Dogs do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Bird Dogs fix this by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. They also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that helps keep you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You, do not want to, you will not want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Bird Dogs, proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. And, of course, a shout-out to those everyday listeners. I sincerely appreciate you folks who make Locked On Zags a part of your routine every single day. Uh, we got more Summer League stuff coming your way later this week as we continue to see how these guys do in that Summer League situation. We got more conversation around what Gonzaga is going to do with those three open scholarships. They still have on their roster. Are there transfers who are still coming in who they might pursue? Are they going to get closer to some of the guys they've already pursued like Jose Perez or Jeremiah Williams? We will have all of that covered as well as a couple guests lined up for this week and next week as well here on Locked on Zach. So don't miss it. Go hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you have not done so yet, it's an easy way to make sure you don't miss out on all of the new content here on Locked on Zach's. Four more guys to talk about here in the Summer League. Three guys who are fighting for their NBA roster lives. And one guy who has a much, much more secure position heading into next season. That is Andrew Nemhard. Kind of felt like there was three guys who are doing good work to boost their draft stock or their uh, their stock for next year. Three guys who haven't really gotten a chance to prove it. And then Andrew Nemhard was sort of in the middle because he's the most secure of the seven outside of Chet. Chet's not going anywhere. Chet is going to be the starting center, but Chet had to prove himself. Like he, he had to show that he was healthy. He had to show that some of those skills were there. I think it was important for Chet Holmgren to do things in summer league. Andrew Nemhard probably didn't even need to participate in summer league. I don't know how much more he will participate. He has only played one game thus far. Granted, they've only had one game, but it wouldn't shock me if Nemhard gets shut down already. If he hasn't already, if he doesn't by the time they play their next game, because this is a guy who started 63 games in the NBA last year. They played 75 games, a guy who was a vote away from being an all rookie second teamer. And yeah, I'm going to bring that up every time I talk about Andrew Nembhard on this podcast. You everyday listeners have probably heard me say that at least five times now on the show. Nembhard in the first game with the in the Las Vegas Summer League had 14 points on six of 14 shooting. He had eight assists and three rebounds. He also had eight turnovers. That's a lot of turnovers. Does it really concern me? No. Summer league is a bit chaotic. That doesn't mean that you want your point guard turning the ball over eight times, but it's it's not something that bothers me all that much. I don't think Andrew Nemard's going to have too many eight turnover games in the NBA. If he starts to have a lot of them, that's going to be an issue, but I just don't see it happening for Nemard. I think he's locked into a valuable role for the Pacers, but I do not think he is going to start next year. Talked about this on a recent episode of Locked on Zags. I believe it was actually on Monday's episode as a mailbag question. If not, it was sometime last week. But the Pacers brought in Bruce Brown, who's going to be their starting shooting guard. They have Tyrese Halliburton, one of the best young point guards in the entire NBA. They also have TJ McConnell still on the roster. They did trade away Chris Duarte, which clears some space in the guard room. But ultimately, I don't think Nemhard starts next year, but I think he plays valuable minutes off the bench. And I think that that's a great role for him. Honestly, I think him being like a, a, a one of the best backup point guards in the NBA feels like an attainable thing for him in year two. In year two, 
at this time last year, we were just talking about how thankful we were Andrew Nembhard got drafted as high as he did and how he's, if he plays well this year, he might kind of play his way up into being the backup point guard. And, and he, he blasted past those expectations, blasted past them. Now it feels like him being the backup point guard for the Pacers is almost a disappointment. And at this time last year, we would have been thrilled with that. But he put together a monstrous rookie season, averaged nine points per game, looked just tremendous all throughout the year. And now Indiana's a team that's kind of building themselves to be a contender. And you want to have really good backup guards on your team as a contender. And that's kind of where Nembhard finds himself right now. It's a little bit disappointing for us as Gonzaga fans who want to see him play more and succeed more. But I think this is a really good role for him. And I think he's going to thrive uh, in this role for the Pacers next season. Next up, we got... Drew, Timmy, Malachi Smith, Joel Ayayi, the final three players. And unfortunately, uh, we'll spend a little bit more time on Drew, but Malachi and Joel just haven't gotten very many opportunities to play. That is kind of a, a negative of the summer league right now. And, and, and it's true of Drew as well. And I think it's most frustrating for Drew. Drew Timmy has played two games in Las Vegas with the Milwaukee Bucks, the team that signed him as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's averaged just under 10 minutes per game. He's averaging 5.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, one assist. He's taken one three-pointer, a beautiful catch-and-shoot three that he hit nothing but net on. And he's just, it's not that he's played bad. He has actually played pretty solid in the minutes he has gotten. He's just not getting very many minutes. And the NBA is a fickle, fickle beast. You can not, you can play well in every opportunity you get, and still not make it to the league. It doesn't necessarily matter. We have seen players never get the opportunity that we think they should have deserved. Elias Harris never got an opportunity. He never did. He made the Lakers for like two days and played well in the G League and still just got shipped away. Ended up going to Germany, played there for a decade. Jonathan Williams had a, like a 19 rebound game with the Washington Wizards. He like had one of the most prolific individual rebounding games of the entire season. Yeah, it was a game 82 and it was kind of a wacky situation, but he proved he could be a guy who would play in the NBA, played productively in the NBA and still got washed out and ended up in China where he's playing right now. Kyle Wilcher never got a look, never got a serious look, even though he scored 20 per game in the G League. Kevin Pangos did finally get a look, but it took seven years. And as soon as he didn't look great, he was gone. The NBA is, it's tough. And Drew Timmy, one of the most prolific college basketball players of all time, of all time, is can't even get more than 10 minutes per game in summer league with the Milwaukee Bucks. The player that is getting more of the minutes in the front court over Drew Timmy is Taco Fall who's seven foot five, and that is about it. <laughs> that is about it for Taco Fall. No hate, nothing against Taco Fall. It's just Drew presumably picked Milwaukee with many teams giving him opportunities to, to come play for them, and they're not giving him a, a much of a look. Again, it's two games. There's, there's more games to come. Maybe Milwaukee in the later part of the summer league will give him a 15, 18, 20, 25-minute per game, kind of let him stretch it out a little bit. But I think about somebody like Shemek Karnowski, who played really well in the summer league. And I have such a distinct memory of him putting up monster performances for the Charlotte Hornets in the summer league. Didn't matter. Just got cast aside, cut, ended up in Poland, dealt with injuries. Of course, now as a graduate assistant with Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona Wildcats. But I hope the same doesn't happen for Drew Timmy because he just needs a chance. He just needs a consistent chance. And it's sad to not see him getting that chance again in the very early stages of the summer league. Malachi Smith has not played yet. 
So speaking of not getting a chance, Drew Timmy's at least played 9.7 minutes per game in his first two games of the summer league. Malachi Smith, DNP, in Portland's first two summer league games. Just didn't even play. He signed with them. He's got an Exhibit 10 deal. The odds of him playing with the Rip City Remix, the new G League affiliate, which plays at the Child Center in Portland, are really high. I think he's going to be there. I don't think Portland would have signed him if they weren't at least in some way invested in him as a potential prospect. But so far in the Summer League, haven't given him the light of day. Scoot Henderson suffered an injury. It sounds like he's not going to play for the rest of Summer League. That may open up more playing time for him going forward. We'll see if Portland wants to open that up for him or not. I don't think Shaden Sharp's going to play much more in the Summer League either. Antoine Davis, the NCAA's all-time leading scorer out of Detroit, uh, he is on that roster as well and, and taking a whole bunch of shots as he does. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see Malachi play a little bit more, but so far haven't seen much. And then Joel Eiai, Joel is with the Memphis Grizzlies right now, has bounced around to a bunch of different professional teams since he uh, left Gonzaga and went into the NBA. Uh, he did not play in the first Vegas game for Memphis, but he did play in all three of their games in Salt Lake City. Averaged 13 minutes per game, 4.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, two assists. He is two of three from three, so shooting a, a very solid 66% there, and he's five for eight from the field. So Joel's looked fine. He's looked fine. He just hasn't gotten much of an opportunity. I would be shocked if he made the Memphis Grizzlies roster. Shocked. I just, I did. They, they have a really deep, talented roster. I don't think he's going to make it. Maybe he will end up in the G League with them, with the Memphis Hustle. He strikes me as somebody who may catch on with a two-way contract somewhere, but is more likely to just be a guy who's playing in the G League. And maybe if a team needs him and he's playing well, he gets a 10-day contract. But there's a lot of guards who kind of fall into this category, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, good guards, decent shooting guards, not really point guards, and there's a lot of them out there. And Joel is among the better ones that are out there, but I'm not surprised that he's not sticking in the NBA. Perhaps he'll get more of an opportunity at some point this season, whether it's in Memphis or somewhere else. Well, we're going to switch over to baseball to close out this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Zags podcast because one Zag pitcher got called up to the big leagues realizing his lifelong dream. Another also realized a lifelong dream by getting selected in the 2023 MLB draft. More on both those players coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we are switching over to talk pro Zags in the MLB, or at least in professional baseball. Want to start out talking about Alec Jacob. Alec Jacob was, of course, the Gonzaga pitcher who threw a no-hitter during that 2021 season, spectacular season for the Zags, really, really one of the most fun baseball seasons I remember them having in a really long time. That and 2022 were both great years. Alec Jacob was absolutely awesome on the mound for the Zags that year. He fell into the 16th round by the San Diego Padres in part because he's he doesn't throw very hard in baseball. Velocity is king. It matters so much, and he just he, he doesn't throw that hard. But he's got a wonky delivery. He throws kind of sidearm. It's difficult for batters to pick it up. And he got drafted in the 16th round by the Padres, and he has just absolutely cruised in the minor leagues. In 2022, he went from high A to double A to triple A ascended three levels of the minor leagues in one season. I know that most people here are, are more basketball fans and they don't have multiple levels of the minor leagues in basketball, but that's pretty unusual for a player drafted in the 16th round to ascend all the way to AAA in the second professional season. That's an indication that he has he's better than the competition at the levels below him, at the, at the levels that maybe you wouldn't expect a 16th round pick to already have ascended to. 
In fact, going into the season, Jacob was ranked as the 23rd best prospect in San Diego's system. Most teams have kind of top 30 prospect lists that come out pretty regularly for Jacob to make that list. Again, as a 16th round pick is, is very impressive. And after throwing 27 innings with a 1.32 ERA in double A this year, Padres called him up. And this just happened over the weekend. He has not pitched yet. We are in the MLB All-Star break as we're talking right now. So there will be no Major League Baseball games between now and Saturday of this upcoming week. So the very first time that Alec Jacob could make his Major League debut would be Saturday. But when he does, we're going to talk about it again because that's a really exciting moment for him. Really exciting to see another Zag get his chance in the MLB. Again, we've talked about Marco Gonzalez in the Major League with the Seattle Mariners. Eli Morgan had an all-star caliber season with the Cleveland Guardians, did not make the all-star game, although he looked great. Casey Ligamina got called up by the Cincinnati Reds. So for Jacob, fourth zag in the big the bigs this year and, and a guy who I think could stick long-term because of how well he's pitched in the minors up to this point. And while Owen Weil is not going to make the major leagues this season, he is a professional baseball player. As of this moment, Owen Wilde was selected on day two of the 2023 MLB draft in the seventh round by the Tampa Bay Rays. There are 20 rounds in the MLB draft. There used to be 50 up until like three years ago, there was 50 rounds. Now it is down to just 20 rounds. Owen Wilde becomes the first Zag selected this season. The eighth Zag drafted since 2021. This stretch of Gonzaga baseball that we have been seeing under coach, especially a pitching coach, Brandon Harmon, because most of the guys selected have been pitchers, has been tremendous. Owen Wilde was the fourth starter for Gonzaga in 2022 behind Gabriel Hughes, Tristan Vreeling, and William Kempner, who were all selected in 2022. That pushed Wilde into a bigger role this last year with the, uh, with the Zags. And he didn't pitch great. Gonzaga as a whole really struggled this season, uh, both from a pitching perspective and a hitting perspective. Uh, in 2023, he went four and seven with a 4.93 ERA that led the team, which is not great. Five ERA is pretty bad. Uh, he did have 105 strikeouts and only 31 walks, which is excellent uh, in 95 innings pitched. Last year, he was much better, nine and one with a 3.03 ERA, significantly better, 83 strikeouts in 74 innings. So for Wild, much, much deserved. Tampa Bay is a team, is a program that is outstanding at uh, developing pitchers. I mean, they're one of the best. The Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Seattle, for that matter, the Yankees are, are really good programs at developing pitchers. Vreeling went to the Yankees last year. Eli Morgan, of course, is pitching at an all-star caliber level for Cleveland this year. Marco has had a great career with the Mariners. And now Owen Wilde goes to the Rays. There is a connection these pitchers are not becoming good for Gonzaga in the big leagues because they keep getting drafted by teams that are good at developing pitching. That's part of it. But part of the story is simple. Teams that are good at developing pitching are also good at identifying pitching. They're good at finding pitching talent, whether it's on the waiver wire, whether it is in free agency, whether it is via trade, or whether it is via the MLB draft. So for the Tampa Bay Rays to take Owen Wilde, a team that is historically good at developing pitching, they see something that they like. And that's very exciting for Owen. 
I'm thrilled for him. I think this is a great fit for him. Uh, he was the 213th player selected, which sounds like a lot. Uh, and I did some research and not a lot of players selected 213th have had productive big league careers, but some have, including a former player at the University of Washington, Jake Lamb, who played briefly for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, he had a productive, has had a productive eight to 10 year career, uh, professional baseball. And, and so it can happen. It can happen. It, it may happen for Owen Wilde. I'm excited for him to be in Tampa Bay system. We'll see if more, more Zags get drafted over the next couple of days as the draft continues on. We'll do a, a wrap up here later in the week. If there are more players drafted or signed who, who maybe don't get drafted, but get signed after the draft ends as well. But that is going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. We got more conversation about Gonzaga's scholarship situation, about Zags in the Summer League, about MLB Zags, all sorts of fun stuff coming your way here on this five times per week daily national show here in mid-July. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.